This podcast is sponsored by Performance Services. We're an Indiana design and construction company. We specialize in new construction, high-performing building renovations, and water solutions for cities and towns. Our approach to projects results in cost-effective and quality outcomes with a no-change-order guarantee. Performance Services is a local builder with a national reach. This is Pete Smith. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Let's build together. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Jennifer Simmons with AIM. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. Uh, Today we're going to change things up a little bit and talk about the upcoming legislative session. Uh, Make sure that our AIM members are going to go into the session with a great baseline. And that brings me to my first point. So in Indiana, we have nearly 120 towns that are on staggered term elections. So with so many newly elected officials, we thought we'd really start at the very beginning with our legislative information and have the AIM legislative team with us today. Uh, Joining me are Jenna Nepper and Chris Bandy, which make up two-thirds of AIM's legislative team. Jenna, why don't you just take a few minutes um, and introduce yourself and talk about the legislative team. Sure, happy to. Um, So I started at AIM back in 2017, really focused on our grassroots efforts, but Chris and I are the day-to-day faces at the State House um, lobbying on our cities and towns behalf. So any municipal issue that um, comes up at the State House, AIM will weigh in either in support or opposition or just provide data or information to, to those legislators asking on key committees. So Chris and I have been uh, on the legislative team since last session. Campbell Richie is not with us today. He's out on paternity leave um, with his newborn son, Fisher. Um, He's been with AIM for a number of years, um, serving as AIM's policy director. So um, if you have lobbying questions, definitely reach out to Chris and I. Campbell um, helps with talking points, information. He's in charge of AIM's policy committees, um, which are a really good way to get involved with AIM. So if you are a newly elected official or you've been around for a while and have an interest in getting involved in, in legislative issues, policy committees are a way to go. Um, what Campbell will do is he'll take an inventory of the bills that are filed um, and the ones we have questions about or need more feedback on or sometimes a legislator will say, hey, what do your members think? Campbell will summarize those bills and send questions for feedback to our AIM policy committees from public safety topics to municipal finance to municipal elections. There's all sorts of of ways to get engaged. So certainly encourage you to reach out to Campbell um, if that's of interest to you, um, because like I said, he heads up those policy committees. Chris? Well, thank you, Jennifer. My name is Chris Bandy. I serve as the governmental affairs manager here at AIM. And I, uh, I just recently joined AIM last year in September, and I've had a fantastic opportunity working really closely with our legislative team and the entire staff here. Um, All right, well, let's see. We've got a couple of weeks. There's a couple of holidays between now and the start of the legislative session, but really that first week of January, we're going to jump right in 
Uh, you'll all be at the state house every day for what we call the budget writing session. So, Chris, what's the what is the timeline? So, talk about those key deadlines that w when the clock starts ticking in January. Oh yeah, of course. So we're uh, we're entering into the 123rd first session of the General Assembly. In the first session, or more commonly known as long session or budget session, is when the legislature is tasked with writing the uh, biannual budget for the entire state for the next two fiscal years. And because of that, session runs a little bit longer. We'll go in, the first day will be January 9th, and we'll run all the way until the very end of April. Um, and just kind of going into some deadlines from there. Like I said, we're back in action first day, January 9th, where it's Bills will be assigned to committees where they'll have to go through that legislative process. From there, they'll be assigned to a committee where they'll either get a hearing or not. From there, then they'll go to the second reading where any member of the General Assembly can offer a, an amendment on the floor for those bills. After second reading, it'll go to third reading where the entire chamber will vote on either passage or decline passage for that bill. And if the bill is able to successfully navigate through those first uh, third reading deadlines, which are on February 27th for the House, and then the sentence is February 28th. If they're able to successfully navigate that first half, they'll then go to the opposite chamber of origin, where they'll have to redo the uh, legislative gauntlet. And then it's the exact same process, just in a different chamber. And the third reading deadlines for that second half are April 17th for the House, and then April 18th for the Senate. And then after those dates, which is when we enter into a conference committee, and from here, this, uh, it's an opportunity for any bill that there was a change in the opposite chamber of origin. It comes back to the original authors where they can either agree or disagree on those changes. If there are any uh, disagreements, then those bills will enter into conference committee reports where they'll be voted upon on both sides of the, uh, the chambers. Just to quickly add, we really want to highlight these dates because you'll see a pattern. Our, we'll be reaching out to our members throughout all of session um, because you know, like I said, from the start, grassroots is a key focus of ours. It was what I was initially hired to do. Um, so when we approach those deadlines, it's, it's often when some of the more controversial bills are being heard. So third reading deadline at the, the first half of session is when we might need our members to reach out on, on really key issues of importance to cities and towns. And so that those February 27th and 28th dates, you might see more emails from us, but no, that's because it's a deadline. This bill is either going to move or going to pass, and we might need a, extra, a few extra yes votes to get it across the finish line or, or maybe some no votes because we would, we would like to see that language not move forward in the legislative process. And um, as Chris mentioned, conference committee, no, no language even – even if it doesn't move during the first half, it's not really dead unless it's been voted no on. And so language that didn't necessarily move in the first half can come back. And so, again, just really want to flag those deadlines because um, we often need our members' help around the, those certain dates. Yeah, and you've said grassroots a couple of times, Jenna. So let's take a step back and, and really dig into that for just a second. So those new to AIM, maybe new to public office, or even some of our members that just have not had time to really dig into the legislative process. What When you say grassroots, what I hear is like sort of re is engagement, like so really um, trying to meet with lawmakers, build relationships. Um, so when you say grassroots, what's that mean to you? Yeah, so Chris and I, the legislators see us every single day at the State House. They hear from us all the time. 
But what's really helpful is when our members working for and representing individual cities and towns are able to reach out to a legislator and say, hey, this bill will impact us in this way, whether it's a municipal finance bill, sharing the data from your city or town um, and saying, you know, if you reduce property taxes by this much, that's X portion of our budget. And this means, you know, considering cuts in X, Y, and Z categories. So grassroots to us, one big picture is our members regularly communicating to their legislators about the good and the bad. Um, and so where AIM comes in is we're happy and willing and, and love to facilitate those meetings between our members and legislators. I mentioned Campbell earlier. He's really good at breaking down issues and providing talking points. And so if there's an issue you're, you're really interested in um, but want more background information, what exactly is the legislation doing? What talking points is AIM using so we can be on the same page? We're happy to provide that one pager for you or... Um, again, sit in those meetings and or even schedule the meetings. If you're a newly elected official and you've never met your legislator, um, we're happy to coordinate with um, their assistants over at the state house to, to set up those meetings either in person at the state house or Chris and I have spent all summer and fall traveling, happy to come to your district. So it really is meeting at your local diners to, to really tell a personal story about the impact of the legislation being considered at the state house and this session, there's a really um, unique opportunity. It's going to matter a lot more. We had redistricting, so it's even more important that you're checking to make sure your your state senator or state representative didn't change um, with the new maps. Um, but we're also going to have, what, Chris, 17, at least 17 um, new legislators at the state house who might not be familiar with municipal issues. So it's an opportunity for our members to introduce themselves, introduce AIM, and um, the issues we typically care about at the state house. So it's nothing is too small when it comes to our grassroots efforts. Um, not only is it those one-on-one -on -one meetings, but attending those community events where your legis legislators typically are. Um, and again, AIM is happy to serve as a resource and provide you any information or help you need with those conversations um, with your legislators. Yeah, and I'll just, you know, I would say that in addition to those things, uh, another way to stay engaged is through AIM Legislative Summary, which comes out on Friday afternoon each week during the legislative session. That's one way to uh, get yourself up to speed on those four or five top issues from the week. We also include a tracking list in those that really sum it summarizes all of the bills that the legislative team is following. So, you know, as as the session progresses, keeping an eye on those summaries each week is really important. Um, you know, if for no other reason, so that when you see lawmakers out and about when they're back in their district on the weekends, it's great to have some of those conversation points. And of course, it's important to know if certain bills will impact your city or town. So we highly encourage you to take a look at those summaries each week. Uh, let's talk about leadership at the state house. Obviously, just like um, any company, just like government, um, so at the federal level, those in leadership positions have a lot of influence over what happens, right? And so, who are the key leaders at the state house that our members need? You know, they need to be able to recognize those names and know who's in charge. Oh yeah, certainly. I mean, 
When you look at leadership in, in Indiana, obviously we're a very Republican state. There are supermajority Republicans in both the Senate and the House, and the Senate majority is consists of 40 members. Those are led by Roderick Bray. He serves as the president pro tem from Martinsville. The minority uh, senators are led by Greg Taylor, who is from Indianapolis. And then you know, switching over to the House chamber, there's, like I said, a supermajority Republicans in the House with uh, 70 Republicans and 30 uh, Democrats. The Republicans are read, led by Speaker Todd Houston, and the Democrats are led by Leader Phil Giaquinta. Yeah, so who are some of those key um, committee chairs? Like in the House, we have the powerful Ways and Means Committee. Who's the Ways and Means Chair in the House? Yeah, so there was recently been a new chairman appointed to the committee. The committee was led for a long time by Doc Brown, who's just recently retired after this past session. And uh, Representative Jeff Thompson has been chosen to step up in his wake as the new chairman of Ways and Means. And in the Senate? The Senate, so we, there are, there's the Appropriation Committee. Uh, it's been led by Senator Ryan Mishler for a long time. But then there's also the Tax and Fiscal Policy Committee, who is led by Senator uh, Travis Holdman, who is actually our uh, AIM Legislator of the Year last year. Jenna, when, you, when we have members that really feel passionately about a particular issue and they want to come to the State House and testify, um, Obviously, we try to help, right? We try to make sure they have the talking points they need, that they have the, the you know, that they know how, you know, what are those state house mechanics to testify in committee? Any advice for members? Because I know sometimes we're we're moving really fast during session. We may not be able to um, to be there every step of the way, but happy to provide as much guidance as possible. So, what what's that advice that you would give them to prepare? Absolutely. First, I'd recommend definitely let Chris or I know if you're planning to testify at the State House, um, because if anything else, we can provide you background information or even updates. Like we've heard, there's going to be a, uh, an amendment added to a bill that might shift the entire conversation on a piece of legislation. Sometimes with the timing of those amendments, you won't know the night before as you're preparing your testimony. So we can always give you the latest updates. But um, just generally, if you're planning to testify on a piece of legislation, um, get there early, um, but be prepared to stay there a long time. It's a, it is a very formal process. Um, you're going to go up and address the committee. Thank, thank the chairman for the opportunity to speak, but I would keep your remarks um, brief but detailed. Obviously, don't be afraid to share the data and your story. Um, be as positive as you can be. Um, the same way you feel passionate about your city or town, these legislators work really, really hard on the legislation they're putting before their colleagues for a vote. Um, and so if we disagree, um, we particularly want to know the author of the bill and the, the chairman of the committee ahead of time. Like, hey, um, we just want to give you the heads up that, you know, we have issues because of X, Y, and Z with this bill, because no one likes to be blindsided, especially if you're opposing a piece of um, a legislation that they've worked really hard on. So, um, but I do encourage you to, if you can meet with the author of the bill beforehand, again, that's something we're happy to coordinate on AIMS end, um, but keep your testimony very specific to how it impacts your city and town. I do think um, legislators are interested in hearing that um, and don't be redundant, right? If it's a hot topic, a big issue that they have 20 people testifying and someone right before you said exactly what you were going to say, sometimes it's okay just to echo your support and say, hey, 
Um, Speaker X did a great job of outlining um, our concerns or our support, um, our position on this piece of legislation um, because things do move quickly and there's limited time um, during the committee process. But certainly if you have more detailed questions about it, happy to help, happy to review your testimony or, or, or work with you on it as well. Yeah, no, go ahead, Chris. And I think um, Jenna did touch on this earlier. Jenna and I, we spend every day of session in the state house. So we're, we always welcome if any of our members are particularly interested in a, a certain piece of legislation that are really, really adamantly want to go and be able to testify before that. We always welcome that. And like Jenna said, we'll, we'll provide any details or background information you may need, any updates that the legislation that may have popped up in the form of a you know, an 11th hour amendment, we're more than happy to provide that and facilitate those meetings with the author and your legislators in the state house. Yeah, and I think that, Jenna, you made a really important point about blindsiding lawmakers that I, you know, I think over the years, I've seen the difference it can make just in offering that heads up, just in going to a legislator in advance to say, I, I need to do this. I need to stand up in your committee and explain why this bill is harmful to my community or all cities and towns. We can respectfully agree to disagree. Here's what I'd like to see different in the bill. And it's really amazing how that can bear fruit, right? So I think just having those kind of conversations in advance, and it really goes back to your grassroots point, having those kind of conversations in advance um, can actually make a difference on a bill. Yeah, and I'll quickly add, we we work on so many issues over at the State House. So there's one issue that might come up um, where we, we have to oppose a legislator's bill, but that same legislator might be carrying one of AIM's initiatives. So there's you just want to avoid um, burning a bridge on one particular issue because um, because of the variety um, in issues, you, you just never know when a legislator is going to be with you or, or maybe on an opposite side as you. So that heads up goes a long way and, and building trust and transparency um, from the General Assembly. Sure. And, you know, it's easy to be frustrated in this process. And that's something that we don't hide that uh, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And, and those losses, particularly when you're representing cities and towns, we all feel passionately about what we do. And so those losses, um, they're tough. But I think what is important in everything you guys have said is that we do have to remember that it's a long game, right? It's, uh, and we need to live to fight another day. And that means that there are going to be other issues that we want to work with legislators on. And just because we're disappointed, one outcome, we've got to just kind of pick ourselves back up the next day and get back in committee and keep fighting or keep advocating um, the best we can. So I'll, mo I'll move on from that point, but I think it's it's important to spend a little time on that. Um, let's transition a little bit to some of those key bills. Those Well, let's start with AIM initiatives. So each year we, and, and you've talked about the, the policy committee process, each year uh, we advance through the policy committees up through the legislative committee and the AIM board of directors, a set of initiatives that we think will um, help cities and towns operate more efficiently, more effectively. Sometimes these are, they seem relatively minor. Sometimes they can be um, on that large scale. But what are those operational type initiatives this year that we'll be working on at the State House? Yeah. Um, so, again, as Jennifer mentioned, these really are member driven, right? So, if you have an idea on what can imp improve local governments, what can make your job easier, 
those are the types of ideas we're looking for. So submit those to Campbell, our legislative committee, which is chaired by um, Chris Jensen, the mayor of Noblesville, will then vet those, send their recommendations to the board of directors. And so this year's legislative committee um, or legislative initiatives was approved at our idea summit back in November. So we spent all summer and fall vetting these ideas and now have been rolling these out with legislators. So priority number one um, ties back to the, the property tax conversation that was started last session. Um, last session, there was a lot of chatter and a couple of pieces of legislation introduced to reduce the business personal property tax, which is an important source of revenue for our local governments. Um, and so AIM took the position, replaced stone race. Um, any reduction of business personal property tax needs to be fully replaced and backed by the state. And so last session, it took the form of phasing out the 30% depreciation floor. This was largely pushed by House Republicans. Um, this has been a priority of Speaker Houston, and he's made it no secret. Um, he would like to pursue that again this legislative session. And um, that's why replaced owner race remains kind of a, the, the top priority. So we have um, told the speaker that we, and Chairman Thompson, who Chris mentioned is now the new chairman of Ways and Means, that if you're going to go down this route of phasing out any portion of the tax that um, we want to be a part of that replacement and ensure that there's a, a fully backed um, revenue source for those local units of government. Number two for us um, in terms of initiatives, and it deals with residential TIF. We head into this session knowing that affordable housing and housing is going to be a really hot topic. AIM participated on a housing task force this this fall. Mayor Stutzman from the Go mayor of Goshen uh, was AIM's appointment to that task force. And an area we want to focus on is how do we work with developers to incentivize housing? And so under current law, residential TIF, um, to, in order to use it, you have to have less than 1% of growth in your housing stock over the course of three years. And so what that means, without getting too technical, one community said if they would have built five new houses um, over three years, they could not have used residential TIF. And five new houses is, is not a lot <laughs> when we're talking about attracting subdivisions um, and really growing our communities. So AIM has been working with a legislator from Northeast Indiana and a, um, from the House and then a senator from northern Indiana on some residential TIF language to expand that, to um, remove that 1% cap for communities under 35,000 because it really is some of those smaller communities where it's harder to hit that 1% number um, and they really need um, to, ways to attract developers. And then another one of our legislative initiatives deals with an inability for local governments to be able to prepay for contracts on goods and services. Just given the state of the economy right now and the, the rising rates of inflation, we've seen members um, just have a difficult time procure, uh, procuring services or even goods that they need just to run their governments. And we're working with a legislator to allow for these uh, local units to make prepayments and deposits for these contracts. I mean, we've seen just numerous instances over the interim as Jenna and I have been traveling throughout the state where local governments have been trying to get goods and they just can't prepay on a deposit for these goods. If Sometimes the cheapest vendor may require that deposit and that inability to do so is forcing the local government to go off with a more expensive vendor or even just the vendors are able to procure those payments up front from the private sector so it doesn't really incentivize them to, to work with local governments and be flexible. Yeah, I think those supply chain issues have just remained um, so vexing 
for AIM members, um, something we just have not stopped hearing about since the pandemic. So it's, um, it's great to have s at least a few things on our agenda that help us advance the ball in that area. In terms of things that we're, we're going to be playing defense on, um, you mentioned the business personal property tax, Jenna, and there's also another property tax uh, item or issue, I think, that we're going to be watching pretty closely, and that is all of the attention uh, on assessments. And you, you mentioned inflation, Chris. Um, we're... I think this is a, is a companion piece to that as as people are getting a little more nervous about inflation and the housing market is tending to trend downward again as opposed to going through the roof uh, a year ago. Um, we are hearing a lot about the General Assembly wanting to in some way address the rising assessments and thus rising property tax bills for some citizens. Jenna, what are you hearing? Yeah, this is quickly becoming the, the number one issue we're hearing about from members of the General Assembly, particularly on the House side. Um, you know, speaking of grassroots, we had a Central Indiana mayors and legislators lunch back in September, um, and Speaker Todd Houston attended that lunch. And he cautioned us or warned us that residential assessments were going to be a topic that he wanted to address this session. And so Chris and I attended a, a conference on Friday where some fiscal leaders were in attendance. And I think the good news is um, Senator Holdman, who we mentioned chairs tax and fiscal, um, wants to be really cautious in how we address this. I mean, Jennifer, you mentioned the market. The market is what's causing these increases in assessments. And Chris Johnston, who is the state's budget director, made a really good point um, at this conference. Right now, we're only looking at one part of the math equation, and that's the increases in assessed value. Um, we need to keep in mind that this is probably an outlier year. As you mentioned, we're seeing with interest rates the way they are, the housing market really cooling off. Um, and so you have the assessed value piece, but then you also have levy limits um, in the state of Indiana. The growth quotient really impacts our property tax bills. Communities are limited to a 5% growth rate, which I won't get into the nuts and bolts of what that means. If you really want to do a deep dive, definitely talk to Campbell on it. But ultimately, as Chris said, we're working on one piece of that, looking at one piece of the math puzzle, but we have to take into account um, more. And, and so when we met with Chairman Thompson, who chairs Ways and Means, he indicated to us, really, this is going to be two, sh two sessions. The first part of session dealing with all the other issues we'll get into, but the second part when those tax bills come out, um, taking a look at um, really what, what does the data say. So we've had preliminary conversations with him, and on the Senate side, we had a meeting with Senator Buchanan, who's, who's floating a concept that would limit the tax liability or the tax bills from growing a certain percentage. So he's floated 10% out there um, because digging into the numbers, they've seen that the highest increase statewide has been a 7.2% growth. Obviously, it's hard to take a statewide number when we're talking about property taxes because it's it really depends on your local tax base. So mm -hmm. all that to say is we know that this is going to be probably the biggest issue we work on this session um, but the details are limited on kind of what direction the conversation's going to 
go from the House side. And I think we'll see the Senate take a, a more cautious approach or to any changes that would impact local government revenues. Yeah, these discussions get frustrating. And, you know, I mentioned a minute ago, we have to take the good with the bad and we can't get too terribly frustrated. So we make sure we have an open dialogue. But when property taxes are such a large component of how we fund local government in Indiana, right? So hopefully the the legislators understand why when we start hearing these things, we do get a little a little bit anxious, right? Because this is how we fund local government services. And, you know, on one hand, we're having conversations about how do we build Indiana up and become that talent magnet, right? How do we become a talent attractor? And if on the other hand, we are um, sort of I don't want to say overreacting, but we're reacting, as you mentioned, to one component of the puzzle as opposed to looking at the whole picture. Um, We could really upset our ability to be able to do the things we need to do, right? Provide essential services and go the above and beyond attracting talent. So I think um, making sure that we're protecting that largest source of our revenue so that we can do the things I think the General Assembly wants us to be able to do. Exactly. I mean, I think the the housing market is what it is, and you have to recognize inflation plays a large um, role in that. And inflation isn't just impacting the private sector, right? right? Our local governments are experiencing bids coming in 30 40% higher on important road projects. And so we do have to protect the sources of local revenue that we we currently do have because mm-hmm. the cost of us doing business and providing public safety and the infrastructure needed for new development um, is going up. Uh, so yeah, you're right. exactly right, Jennifer. I, I mean, I, I can't emphasize this enough. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the issue that um, keeps us really busy this session in defense right. of our local governments and um, the resources they need. Right. And it kind of goes back to that whole replace donor race uh, moniker that you mentioned that this applies here too, right? It, it, if we are looking to uh, reduce the business personal property tax in any way, if we're looking to um, go in and, and make some changes that um, take revenues away from local government or in any way reduces local government's ability to collect the property tax dollars we need from residents and, and homeowners, apartments, et cetera, um, pretty soon we're, we could be in a, in, a, in a real mess, right, for lack of a better term. I guess that's not very scientific. It's not data-driven, but it's a mess. <laughs> right, and even blending those two conversations is mm-hmm. so important because if you don't take the whole picture into account when you're talking about property taxes, and you start talking about phasing out a portion of the business personal property tax, which is limiting the tax liability of businesses, that burden is going to get shifted over to residential property taxpayers. So on one hand, you're reducing the burden for businesses, but might be making the problem on your right hand even worse. Um, So we're hopeful that any solutions offered this session are um, take a a surgical approach rather Mm than a, a sweeping reform of mm-hmm. property taxes, which, you know, are obviously limited to by the property tax caps. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think um, as local units, we've certainly seen over the years a, uh, a desire to be less reliant on the property tax, right? Um, to 
to look at income taxes, to look at food and beverage taxes and, and other options out there and asking the General Assembly, if, if, it, if you don't like the property tax, then let's, you know, having other tools is okay with us, right? It's, we're, we um, often ask for the ability to diversify revenue. So I think it's a discussion that we're certainly willing to have. I think um, in terms of the business personal property tax, it's important to say that, you know, we have not cast judgment on whether that is or is not the right tax for business in Indiana. Our, our sole message is if, if you are going to take that revenue away, it needs to be replaced by something that the state implements and that is fair across the board for those that collect that tax. So, all right, I will hop off my property tax <laughs> soapbox there, but I, I do think it's an important conversation to have and one that we can have and have been able to have um, with lawmakers um, in a really productive way, I think, over the last couple of years. And just one more thing on it. Senator Bray, Senator Holdman have publicly said we don't want to move forward with any property tax changes on the back of local governments. And Speaker Houston has publicly said something very similar that we got to take local governments into account. So we're, we know that we will be a part of this conversation. I just think it's um, uh, making sure we're having that conversation sooner and not just dependent on the tax bills coming out in March. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, we probably need to wrap up here. Let's um, just to, you know, so everyone, I think it's important to get to know the team to so that our members know who is at the state house every day on their behalf. Jenna, talk to me, like why, why the state house? Why are you a lobbyist for local government? Well, it's not um, a path I drew out when I was in high school or middle school even. I've always, I've had an interest in politics and history. I went to college thinking I was going to be a social studies teacher, but quickly became involved in campaigns and, and saw campaigns as an opportunity to get elected. But AIM was my first leap into the policy side of things. And, and really for local units of government, um, just the, the difference they make in the day-to-day um, whether it's infrastructure roads, who's picking up your trash, all of that really matters. So grateful that my first job at AIM was really focused on getting to know our members, the priorities of our different municipal leaders, because it gives you um, better context heading over to the state house. And it's important. And I know I've talked about grassroots a lot, but our members' engagement at the state house does make a difference, even if it feels like it doesn't or, or we're heading um, into a session where we might have some bad bills filed, um, know that there is good that comes out of it. We didn't even talk about the ready program, but there's some been some really thoughtful um, pieces of policy that come out of it. So I really enjoy the, the policy side of it and ensuring that our members' priorities stay front of mind for, for legislators. So didn't think I would have a career public speaking, but here I am testifying. Um, because I do really care about the cause and in, in local units of government in Indiana. Well, and Chris, I mean, you shortly after you joined AIM, you passed the bar, right? You're practicing. Well, <laughs> you're you're an attorney, and you could be out practicing at a big law firm, making the big bucks, but <laughs> but you're you're fighting for local governments every day at the state house. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, yeah, like you said, uh, attorney by trade, but not by uh, profession. But I've, I've had the opportunity, fantastic opportunities as a political science major from Indiana University. I've spent a lot of time in the state house as a page, an intern, a legislative assistant, and even as a policy analyst. So I, 
I really fell in love with state level policy. And from there, um, I just had a fantastic opportunity to join this amazing team here at AIM and be, I mean, as the local government, like many people say, we're the closest government to the people. We're those first line uh, workers when it comes to representing constituents. And I just, I fell in love with that idea and it's brought me fantastic opportunities here. That's great. All right, guys, uh, good luck to you as we enter another legislative session. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, you can join us every Friday during the session in our legislative summary that you should receive in your email inbox. And at the end of that legislative summary, you will find a quick video each week with the team just talking about the highlights from the week. So we will see you in a few weeks.